The funny thing about pi is that the less we care about getting our piece, the tastier the whole pie becomes. And that applies to both apple and banana cream. This is my conversation with Beth Howard. What if the truth came in a gel cap and we could just pop it in our mouths and forget about it? Well, it doesn't, and we can't. But we can laugh in the face of reality while plotting our survival. Welcome to the Truth Tastes Funny podcast. I am your host, Hirsch Repun. And if my guests can handle the truth, so can you. Open wide, folks. Here it comes. My guest today is Beth Howard. Beth, I was going to introduce you as the pie lady, but pie, because you've been called that, right? The pie lady. Uh, but that does not that. really yes. explain, explain. <laughs> I don't take offense. But Beth is the author of, of Making Peace, a memoir of love, loss, and pie, and several other books, and is working on some very interesting stuff now. And uh, she also, like me, divides her time between California and Iowa which is not like you meet someone at a party and you go, well, how do you, where do you live? Oh, I divide my time between Iowa and Los Angeles. But Beth's been all over the media. She's been on CNN, CBS, NPR, Hallmark Channel. So she's got a story to tell, and it's a story that's ever evolving. Beth, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Hirsch. <laughs> I've been trying to do like one month here, one month there, but it's summer in Iowa right now. So I don't want to miss that, the really good season where you could just swim in the pond and, you know, right. eat stuff right out of the garden. And so, yeah, I don't want to miss that on that. As, as long as you have bug spray, you're okay here. <laughs> like the bug thing happens, but it's all right. We have the little, the little candles, we have the bug yeah. spray. Um, and it's, you know, today it's, it's crappy outside. So you're not missing anything today, but yesterday it was it was beautiful. But this actually is a good segue into the heart of the heart of your mission which centers for quite a while now on pie. Mm -hmm. Making pies, on people enjoying pies, on people making pies for other people because pies heal. So take us through that story, if you would, a little bit. I I know a little bit about your. I've had your. I've had. I've had your pies, by the way. Mm -hmm. I had your pies <laughs> in L.A. We were we were together in L.A. recently. I had your pies there, and I don't. I'm not a pie person because I try to be careful about intaking too much pie and and cookies and cake and stuff. But in your case, made the exception. Well worth it. So the fact that the pies are delicious, though, is secondary. <laughs> what what's primary here? Oh, it's just fruit, Hirsch, nothing to be afraid of. And also, <laughs> you know, the secret ingredient of love. So you can't pass that up. But yeah, gosh, right. I've been doing this for more than 20 years, which is crazy. I quit a dot-com job back in 2001 at the height of the boom. I just walked away from a job that, because it was like an outdoor adventure website and their mission was to get people to spend more time on the internet. And that's not right. And I was spending 80 hours a week at my computer trying to create virtual worlds and it just made me 
when I quit, I just said, I just want to go work with my hands. I want to go do something like make pie. And, and that's what I ended up doing. So I, I left San Francisco where my job was and moved back to LA where I had spent a lot of my adult life and walked into a job at a gourmet cafe in Malibu called Malibu Kitchen. And the proprietor there taught me how to make pie. I wasn't qualified, by the way. I just walked in. I said, well, I'm from Iowa. So, you know, I know pie. And they hired me. Right. And she taught me how to make pie with my with my hands, you know, to have that engaging, tactile experience where you're like, all your senses are being used. And, and you're, you have to put your phone down you know, because your hands are busy and they're in the dough and they're peeling apples. And so that was exactly the antidote I needed from that dot-com job. And then fast forward, I don't know how many years, I guess eight years, I had gotten married and my husband was German. We lived in Germany. We lived in Mexico, Portland, Oregon. We moved all over. And during that time, I started a blog writing stories about pie because that that job in Malibu that I did for a year, I called it my pie baking sabbatical. So that job just really sort of showed me how people light up when you make them a homemade pie. And it just, I had that experience right. over and over. And that, that, that experience really restored me after being so burnt out from that job. So, so 2001. If I can interrupt you for, yeah. for one second. I just, so I wanted to go back a little bit. Two things. First of all, so the writing, the blog had writing been something that because now you're now you're an author many times over right what was your experience with writing well my my background i went from public relations to journalism sort of backwards usually journalists go the other way but i i wrote for magazines for quite a few years and then the magazine job led to the dot-com job and then after the dot-com job ended i'm like there was no going back to magazines they don't pay that well (laughs) so right uh, yeah so i went and made pie instead you know for minimum wage like that was a brilliant business move but yeah no i'm just i'm kind of a i like to call myself a generalist in terms of uh, being a writer i feel like i'm just i'm a communicator you know, so yeah, whatever, whatever my medium is, yeah, whatever my medium is, whether it's the printed word or, you know, digital or, or pie. So, yeah, so I did have a writing background. And so that's where sort of those two worlds started to come together, where I took my pie baking experience in Malibu and started writing stories about that for my blog. And then everywhere I traveled with my husband, I was teaching pie classes. And I made pie for my neighbors in Mexico. I uh, made pie with my German friends and made pie for Thanksgiving dinner in Germany. And then in 2009, Marcus died unexpectedly, suddenly and unexpectedly of a ruptured aorta. And he was 43 years old. And it, it took some grief counseling to get back to where I could function, number one. But once I was sort of back up and running, a friend invited me to her Thanksgiving Thanksgiving dinner and asked me to bring the pie. And so that would have been, I don't know, four months after he died. And I got back in the kitchen and I got my hands back in the dough. And then like it started up all over again, this sort of healing thing, this restorative process of of pie making and then sharing it with other people. And then it just took off from there. I realized, you know, even when you're at your lowest point, you can still have something left to give. Even if that thing that you give is just a homemade pie, you know, you start there and then you build on that. So I started making pies and then a friend of mine, um, I ran into a friend of mine when I was visiting LA and she said, oh, I see you have your pie blog. And 
I used to shoot a TV show that was like road rules and I'd love to do a pie show and let's go on the road and do pie stories. And, and this was just five, six months after Marcus died. And, and that really right. set me on a whole new path to really be looking for other people's stories about pie. And also just taking the pie on the road where, you know, we'd go to a place and I'd make pie and hand out free pie by the slice. And, uh, and you, you mentioned in one talk you did that, that people at some point, somebody said to you, who's funding this? Yeah. Who's funding who's, this RV yeah, tour who's around paying, the... Who's you know, paying you to do this? Yeah, because we were handing out... Yeah, who's paying you? And we handed out, we made 50 pies and handed them out by the slice on the streets of Los Angeles. And that's when people would go, why are you doing this? Who's paying you? And and we said, no, nobody. We just wanted to do something nice. And then, and plus it was National Pie Day, which is, what is that? January 23. And the most amazing thing happened that people said, well, this makes me want to go do something nice for somebody else. And like that was one of yeah. the most powerful experiences ever. That and um, also you probably read in my materials that I had gone to uh, Newtown, Connecticut. We made pies for right San after yeah. the Sandy Hook shooting. I still had my RV and loaded it up, drove from Iowa to Connecticut, um, used a friend's kitchen and all the kitchens on her neighbors of her neighbors, like the whole block. We used all the kitchens on the block. We made... We got all these volunteers together and we made 250 pies and handed those out on the streets of Newtown, Connecticut. And people were so grateful. It was like this symbol of comfort and kindness and support. And the other thing that was so interesting about that is when we set up our folding tables and we're giving out pies by the slice, it gave people a place to congregate, you know, to come together and yeah. talk over a slice of pie and they we had coffee too and you know they would stand there and run into they'd run into neighbors and then they would you know have a place to come and sit and, and talk and and that was you know that's the power of pie it's so simple and yet it can do so well, many things well what i think is that pie presents you with a with another option like conflict and grief which has its place, conflict, you know, and, and, and the horror that we continue to see with shootings and that crisis. So crises, let's say, crises, you know, have their place. But then what's the alternative or the solution or the next step, right? Dialogue, conversation. So what Pi does is it's like, here's this thing. Mm -hmm. that you can't really misinterpret. You can't really take offense to it. It's meant, it's, it's something we associate with unity and mm -hmm. family and familiarity and, and friendliness. It's just such a strong identification. It's like, can you believe, nobody says, can you believe that asshole gave me a pot? <laughs> nobody you know? says that. <laughs> nobody says that. You believe that asshole and gave me a pot. You can misconstrue almost anything else in the world. You know, what do they mean by that? Mm -hmm. And we live in a, what do they mean by that world? We live in a, in a quick to cancel, quick to anger, you know, quick to get angry, quick to conflict. Mm -hmm. We're wound so tight from everything that we're going through. So, so when did the the pie become a movement? 
What? Because mm. at some point it got wider, more attention. How did it transform? I mean, I mean, I wish I could say it was a movement. You know, I mean, I wish I could claim something so grandiose. But you know, I just, I just keep writing stories about it, and I guess. Maybe one of the ways that it came more into the spotlight for me personally was when a year after Marcus died, I took a road trip to Iowa, my home state. I hadn't been back there in years and had, didn't really have any desire to, but it was the one year right. anniversary of his death. And I just, I don't know, there was something in me that was like, oh, I think that would be really grounding to be back, you know, and the smell of fresh cut grass and you know, Iowa can be a very gentle landscape and it's friendly. It's just easy. So I thought, okay, that would be a good place to go. I didn't have any shared memories with him there. And at the same time, it was the Iowa State Fair and I volunteered to be a pie judge at the state fair. So, you know, again, material to write about, maybe to put into a TV show. But, you know, that thing that we had shot six months, the, that road trip in the RV, it, nothing's ever come of it unless you count the fact that it really just set me on a more positive journey. So, and it also- well, that's a I, lot. Right, exactly. And I also credit it for, you know, piquing my interest about going to the Iowa State Fair because I'm like, oh yeah, I should be looking for more pie stories. And, you know, the Iowa State Fair, that's the granddaddy of all pie contests. So, so there I are did... only a few- <laughs> There are oh, only I was a just few... gonna say, there's only a few things in, that happen in Iowa that are like, worthy of people from outside of Iowa to coming to do it. One is the state fair and the other is jazz fest. And, and of course, not to mention, you know, big 10 football. Battle no, you're stuff, missing, but, you're but, missing a huge one. Ragbri, the bike ride one? across. Oh, Ragbri. Okay. Yeah. The bike ride across. Iowa I did Ragbri. Yeah. Because Ragbri is famous for pie. There's right. pie at every oh, yeah. stop. Yeah. So don't forget. Oh that. yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but I didn't know about you when I did when I when I did Ragbri, and I covered it for some for some outlet or something like that. So I didn't ride, but I. Well, this but I this followed. would have been in 2010 that I went to the right, state I wasn't fair. Here yet. Okay, and yeah. then and I've ridden Ragbri a couple of times in the past years, so. Who knows? Maybe we yeah. rode right past each other. But I went to visit my hometown, my birthplace of Tumwa, Iowa, after the fair. And and after that, I kept driving because I was going to go to then my other hometown, which was Davenport. That's we moved from Tumwa to Davenport when I was in junior high. And on my way, I saw a road sign for the American Gothic House, which is that little white farmhouse in the famous Grantwood painting of the couple holding the pitchfork. I mean, it's it's the most parodied painting in the world, and it's supposedly like classified as the second most famous painting after the Mona Lisa. And anyway, well, that's a real yeah. house, and it's in this little tiny town called Eldon, Iowa. And I yeah. stopped there to check it out, and I keep interrupting you, but anyway, no, I, we're we're just excited. I, we're just I'm just excited about about that house because what's funny, everybody has their associations. My association with it is that there's this, there's a scene in the beginning of Rocky Horror picture show, they have a wedding and the two characters are mimicking that photo. It's oh, yeah, so ingrained well, is it in, in popular culture. So it, it makes its way, that image makes its way everywhere. 
but now the American Gothic house takes on this other this other meaning. So you visited it. You were I visited visiting it. it. And it's right. adorable. It's like if it were in Venice Beach, it would be my dream house. <laughs> you know, because uh-huh. it's this little Got wooden it. cottage. And it's owned by the state of Iowa Historical Society. And at that time, they were renting it out as a private residence. And no one had lived there in a couple of years. And when I saw that it was for rent, mind you, I was planning to go back to California. And then when I found out this house was for rent, I was like, oh, this could be kind of fun to live here for a couple of months. Yeah. You know, I didn't have any idea I would stay very long. They did make me sign a one-year lease, but the rent was so cheap. It was $250 a month. If you can calculate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was so cute. 250 bucks a month. That's what I was paying for my storage unit on the West Coast. So I decided I would take a chance and move in. And then once I got there, I'm like, now what am I going to do? You know, I was going to I was going to write. I was going to work on a book. And then actually, I was going to work on a book about my quitting my dot dot com job and working at the pie shop in Malibu, you know, about simplifying your life. And, And I had tried to sell that. And the agent said, it doesn't have enough conflict and tension. So then at a certain point, I started over and I was like, well, then the story became about my husband dying. And that was the conflict and tension, I guess, that was missing. So yeah, anyway, but I needed something to do. And I saw that there were these tours coming around and there were people from all over the world that would stop by. And, you know, it wasn't overwhelming. They weren't constantly peeking in the windows or knocking on the doors, but you know, they would trickle through and it was always kind of fun because you'd never know who you step outside and meet. And I thought, well, how about if I make some pies and sell them in the side yard and do a little pie stand and just on the weekends. So I did that one weekend and then I did it another weekend and then it just kept going. And then it was the pitchfork pie stand. And then it was too hard to do it outside because, as you know about the Iowa bugs, the, the wind, yeah, the, the weather, bugs. the humidity, it, I could go on. And so I moved it into yeah. the living room of the house so the so people could actually come inside the house, just into the living room. But then, And I was making like 100 pies a weekend out of this little oven and yeah, it was how, nuts. How long does that take? If you were going to make... Not bake, but just making a hundred mm-hmm. pies. How long does it take to make a hundred pies? Well, I always used to get a little bit miffed when people would say, "Oh, how, what a cute little! It's just a cute little weekend business." And I'm like, yeah. "I'm working seven days a week to have two days yeah. of pie sales. You know, Saturday right. and Sunday, ten hours open to the public took seven days. You know, like I the shopping." you know, the updating, the what pies we have available this week, you know, cleaning, cleaning, cleaning the house. And then I got sort of a rhythm down where I could make the pie crust uh, a couple days ahead of time and have them stacked in the freezer and have them ready to be filled then the day we would bake. But we would be baking from dawn till nighttime on Friday and then all day Saturday into the night. Sometimes I'd have to do runs into town to get more ingredients. And, you know, it was a half hour just to get to the grocery store. So it was no small deal. So, yeah, it wasn't very, it wasn't easy at all. (laughs) It just became, became a monster. It was hard to manage. But it smells good. Oh, it's like if you're going to be doing something, you're going to be working that hard, that, that aroma is pretty intoxicating. Yeah, I'd come downstairs in the mornings and it would just be like this 
pie fumes. You know, that was always <laughs> nice. You know, people would come in and say, oh, it smells so good in here. And, and people would come in and say, oh, it must be nice to have a job that makes people so happy. And that was that was pretty right. cool, too. And I had a lot of helpers and and a lot of people volunteered. And we would be so busy sometimes that there'd be like a line out the door. We would be running out of things. We would like I didn't have enough pie boxes folded and ready. And so people would stay. Customers would stay and they all I can help you peel apples. I can help you haul strawberries. And and the next thing you know, we were having like these groups of people sitting around tables in the backyard that I'd set up so that they could, you know, prep the fruit. Everything was done by hand. And I think that's yeah. what's missing in the world is that that community, you know, for for lack of any yeah. other word, it's just, it's community, people coming together, working with their hands, meeting strangers over a shared activity, something that feels good, something that makes other people feel good. You know, it's just, I miss that so much and I have not yet been able to recreate that. And so that's that's been my my challenge lately is how do I bring that back? to serve people, to, you know, give people a place to come to and, and to meet, to come together, to, you know, to volunteer. I, I mean, it was fun because it was, you know, this historic house. People liked, people would volunteer to come and stay. I would feed them, you know, I'd give them room and board if they would come and work at the pie stand. So it was, it was that was a really fun trade because then they could say that they got to sleep in the American Gothic house, you know, behind the famous Gothic yeah. window. and. So that that was pretty cool. And what are you working on now? What what is the what is the iteration of this entire adventure that that you're in right now? During the pandemic, I made a series of pie tutorials, you know, for a couple different I think seven right. seven videos I made. That was fun, and, you know, like how to make an apple pie, how to make a triple berry crumble pie, how to make a banana cream pie. So, I did um, you know, try to parlay my pie gospel <laughs> into yeah. into those tutorials and I I've just finished and I'm in, in the final editing process of my latest memoir and that's another thing that I did after I did move out of the American Gothic house after four years and after that I traveled around the world making pie in nine countries to promote world peace. <laughs> not like not ambitious right. and this or anything. Was, is that a book that's coming out? Yeah, the that's the one that I'm. That's the one I'm in. Around the world journey for. of right. peace, love, understanding, and pie. Right. And so, so when does that when does that come out? So I'm hoping the release date is going to be on September 21st, which is the International Day of Peace, the UN uh-huh. uh, sanctioned day. So that that's the goal. So, yeah. But I guess that's you know that was the next iteration of the of the pie journey was like these were marcus's frequent flyer miles that i inherited and they were expiring so i i'd always wanted to go around the world and i used them to do this trip but i didn't want to go as a tourist i wanted to you know take this pie thing you know to a whole new level and i stayed in people's homes and taught them how to make pie and they would teach me how to make their local dishes. And so it was a cultural exchange, but, you know, again, pie is this vehicle that where you go, yeah. What did you say earlier? Like if somebody gives you a pie, you know, they're not an, they're not an asshole or something. I don't know. However you yeah, say right. that. Yeah. Right. Nobody says, no, nobody says, 
So that asshole gave me a pie. Right. You believe so, that asshole gave me a pie? Right. It's like so you nobody, go nobody around the world. That. Yeah. So you go around the world and you try to be right. this goodwill ambassador and, you know, sort of because we we claim pie as American, even though it's an immigrant from Egypt right. from way, way back, you know, so that it's just a great metaphor for sort of those teachable moments of, you know, hey, we're all part of one planet. We're not, you know us versus them. We're not as separate as we think. So Pi was this vehicle to get into people's homes and to interact with people, to engage them with, like I said, Pi classes or, you know, going to their restaurants. And so it was this. But they were not familiar with Pi, like in South Africa and in Japan. There's Pi in pretty much every culture. If you define Pi by just, you know, anything encased in a crust. Like, right. Even in my definition, even an Indian samosa is sort of a pie. It's that would be like the equivalent of a hand pie in New Zealand or a Cornish pasty in England. You know these turnovers or a calzone and your pizza pie. You know, like you can define it in a lot of different ways. But you know, just um, yeah, a crust and a filling. Okay, it doesn't have to be sweet. Right. It doesn't have to be apple. So yeah, pretty much every culture has some kind of pie. I've taught pie classes in in Japan. I taught a class in Tokyo to business people and we used local ingredients. So we used rice flour instead of wheat flour and we had apples from Nagano and it was just a really cool experience and they didn't speak any English and you know, everybody was like rolling up their sleeves of their business shirts and laughing and talking and couldn't speak the same language, but we were all making pie and everyone was exactly the same reaction I have of every class. People were excited to take their pie home and share it with somebody else. Look what I made. I can't believe I made this. You know, that's always the reaction. And in South Africa, I taught pie classes in a a township outside of Cape Town. And, you know, these kids live in homes with no electricity, but they had a really nice facility where they could come together after school for activities. And I taught hundreds of kids how to make pie and they showed up in their school uniforms and then they left with flower handprints all over their clothes and so for the subsequent pie classes i noticed they did not wear their uniforms they showed up in more their play clothes but you know it's just it's this international language of love it doesn't have to be that familiar to people it's i think it's the the making something with your hands that is just like everything is all about digital, you know, get off your phone and make a pie, you know, like how often do we get kids attention enough to get them to put their phones down, you know, but like with a pie, when you're making a pie, you cannot be on your phone. So I think it's a really great tool. When we think about things that are so big and overwhelming and we try to find solutions and it's like, well, you know, every solution is not a grandiose, enormous, across the board solution. It's very simple, you know? So the the suggestion of doing something with your hands, helping out, pitching in, with all of which happened, mm-hmm. the proof of concept was that you went out and, and this started happening. You didn't say, I'm going to force the world to, start to uh, like, I'm going to go to a community and I'm going to make them love pie or I'm going to make them get a, people wanted to pitch in. 
People wanted it. What I started thinking about pie as you were talking is that we often think of pie as something to be divided among stakeholders, right? Like I want a piece of the pie. I want my piece of the pie. Oh, you get 20% of the market. And I think if we start thinking of pie in terms of making it and sharing it, then we become maybe less concerned with, you know, what our slice is. The question and, is, uh, who can I give this to? Not how much can I get right. for myself? Who, who needs a pie? Who needs, who a, needs pie? a pie? Who needs a pie? Yeah. And everybody well, can have a it. whole... It's a metaphor. Yeah, I am getting it. It's a bottomless reservoir of, of positivity, you know, that I think, that I think we, can, we could do with. When you started doing this and when you were getting a lot of attention for the American Gothic House, we were in a, in a somewhat different place. And now the entire world is experiencing polarization of opinion and pulling apart, even though there's something I think unnatural about it. I think hatred and, you know, polarity is an unnatural state. It has to be cultivated. It has to happen to somebody. It has to happen to some group that they're pulled apart from one another. You know, that's not natural. That's not our natural state. So what do you think of the, of the state of, you know, affairs in the world right now? Like when it comes to humanity and something as simple as unity and friendliness and good neighborliness, you know, whatever. I feel completely depressed. If you want to know the truth, that's, that's yeah. honest. You yeah. know, I am, I have yeah. a lot of despair these days and I've been trying to finish my world peace book and I go, well, the world is far less peaceful than when I did the trip in 2015, you know? So, so that's, right. that's challenging. That's very challenging. And that's why I feel almost desperate to like do something again. Like, you know, like I had the way my pie stand brought people together. You know, I, I don't know if it's possible to do that anymore. I, I'd like to think it is, you know, I'd like to get back out there and do pie classes and where, you know, nobody's talking about politics when you're making pie, you're talking about what's the best kind of flowers to use? What kind of apples do you use? How thin should I roll the dough? You know, like those are the questions that are concerned yeah. people, not who did you vote for or how do you feel about abortion or, you know, so it's just been so disappointing. And honestly, I, 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 <laughs> I could start crying just thinking about it. It hurts. And, but the I good news you. is, good news is that today I actually, this afternoon, I am going to make two pies, a lemon meringue and an apple pie, because tomorrow the woman whose home I'm staying in here in LA, she's inviting some friends over from her writer's group and we're going to have pie and coffee. So, you know, that's what I have focus on is just the little baby steps. You know what? I'm going to make two pies. Yeah. I'm not going to make 200 pies. I'm going to make two, but that's something. It's enough, right. you know, it's, it's a start. So I think at this point, I think the little baby steps are about all I can handle, honestly. But and I swear though, to this day, I, I get in the kitchen, the minute I, my hands touch the flour and the butter and get into that mode, it is so therapeutic. It always is. Yeah. I never get tired of it. It always is like hitting the reset button for me. It's It feels good. 
And also tomorrow when these ladies eat the pie and come together and have this little small gathering in the living room, it's, you know, that's going to feel good too. So, so that's, I guess that's all I can say. And, and I, I think that's what we all need to focus on. It's going to be the little things. It's those little, yeah. every little act of kindness helps. So we can't fix the huge problems, but we can start with, you know, small acts of kindness, of generosity. You know, I, one of my little things yeah. is I always let the car cut in front of me. You want to cut in? I will make space for oh, you. Yeah. If you have your turn signal on, please go ahead. You know, like I try to be that person out on the road, you know, especially here in LA. <laughs> in Iowa, there's yeah. no traffic, you know, you get stuck behind a in tractor, Iowa, you but know. what do you know? Iowa, you don't have to really worry about <laughs> about the road rage so much. Yeah. But California, it's like, and like you and I going back and forth, we have to remember what city we're in. Well, I have Iowa. We have to deal with people. I have Iowa plates on my car out here in California. So I'm like, oh, oh I have to be nice because I'm representing Iowa, you know. <laughs> but I mean, I think we all become monsters in our cars for some reason. But, yeah. but I, one of the things that's so nice about New York is how you know i talk about community it's like you're all in it together you know this this thing that revs up every day and then yeah. you know you're on the you're in this close space with each other so you're you talk to each other when you're in line or when you're on the subway your bodies are pressed up i mean there's just this more of a sense of i don't know i don't know how people don't kill each other but in fact it seems like it's a pretty well oiled machine there so just interesting. Yeah, there's nothing like it. There's really nothing to compare it to. I lived there for 13 years. Where are you from Miami, originally? Miami, originally. Okay. There's a book that I found when I was, I guess I must have found it when I was researching my own world peace book. And it's by a poet named Molly Fisk. And the title is Using Your Turn Signal Promotes World Peace. That's the title. Oh, it's that's great. Just that simple. It's easier than making a whole pie. You just use your turn signal out of politeness. Yeah. I think that's just what's so hard is that the, you know, beyond the lack of civil discourse, it's the lack of manners, you know, it's just like lack of consideration for others. And why is it all me, 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 you know, and how can I get what I need? How can I go first? How can I have my share? It's like... God, if you just turn that around, you know, it's life could be yeah. so much better. And I just read something the other day. I don't know why I'd never heard this before. This quote by Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, life, is, oh, yeah. life is for service. And I just think we all yeah. need to like, remember that we're here to help each other or not to, you know, compete yeah. against each other. And I could go on a rant about this because I feel like part of the problem is, like this whole obsession with reality TV and that there's always the winners and the losers and voting people off. And I yeah. think that's been really detrimental to our way of being in the world because it's not encouraging each other. It's let's see if we can rip each other apart. Let's see how, let's see how cruel we can be to each other on camera, you know, for the sake of what yeah. being famous, it's like celebrity obsession and all this. It's just like, I think we're just spiraling out. And you know, the beauty I, I keep bringing this back to pie, but it's, there's a reason. But, you know, it's what pie represents is, you know, simpler times, 
before the internet, yeah. before social media. It's this thing, the symbol of, oh, my grandmother used to make, my great grandmother, you know, it takes you back to a time of, that was just more comfortable, more civil. I just, yeah. let's bring that back. The simplicity of it, the genuineness of it. And, and look, we need to pull out all the stops on communication, kindness, you know, we're doing something with with street artists and helping them find a platform and a, and a and a voice to share their positive discourse, whether they come from diverse backgrounds and you bring two artists together to collaborate or or everybody comes together to see different artists work on their messages of peace, their message of hope, their message of happiness, because happiness is different to everybody. And that's, that's the idea. That's why the international part of your adventure really resonated with me, because having traveled firsthand experience, seeing how much we have in common as creatures, mm -hmm. just as creatures, all the other stuff is bullshit. You know, we have to work harder to form ourselves, I mm -hmm. think. We have to take a more active role in deciding what kind of person we want to be. And, and certainly pie is a very, very good, sweet-smelling and wonderful-tasting mm -hmm. place to, to start. And I laud you, Beth, on sticking with this idea. I've tried, you know, to, uh, so I've, I've tried to move away from pie multiple times. <laughs> I just keep coming back to it every time. So there is definitely something there. It's still it's still there for me. I'm I still think it's an important message. It's an important vehicle for sharing a message. And you know, I've been sort of thinking about applying for grants or fellowships or things. That I have reconsidered opening a pie shop several times, and then I get a little you know go down that road, and it just isn't feasible. And it isn't really what I want to do. I would rather be out on the road teaching classes with kids rather than being in one location all the time. Because it's not about selling pie. It's about teaching other people to make pie so that then it's this exponential thing that happens. You know, that give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. And then if you teach him to fish, you feed them for the lifetime, right? So it's that teach a man to make a pie. That's where it grows. You know, so it's not about me selling pies. I don't, that's, that's not my job. My job is to teach other people how to make pie and spread this message of, hey, it doesn't even have to be pie. It could be something else, knit somebody a sweater. You know, one of the people I stayed with on my round the world trip was in New Zealand and she knits prayer shawls for people and sends them. And she doesn't even know all these people. She sent me one. I didn't know her, but I did end up staying with her for 10 days. Yeah, yeah. You know, so those are the kinds of things like it doesn't have to be pie. It just has to be something where you give of yourself and, you know, you really just stop and think about. I get, you know, it really happened after Marcus died. It was like there are always people suffering more than you, not to diminish your own suffering, but just remember that you right. still have something left to give. And it's in the giving where you find the healing. It's in the giving where you find the happiness. So it's it's not about comparing your grief or your pain to somebody else. It's just about remembering that, you know what? I'm still here on this earth for some reason. I'm still living and breathing. I'm still yeah. physically capable. What can I do to give back to the world? Yeah. 
and it's and it works both ways it's a it's both a self-serving cathartic you know look we feel good to do good mm -hmm. you're right that it doesn't have to be pie but the reason that it works so well and when i first heard about it it it, it clicked is that it immediately sets the stage the right vibe if we walk into a meeting of some kind let's say you walked into an arbitration of some kind and they served pie right away <laughs> well the rest speaks for itself right exactly all of a sudden all of a sudden it's very different so you know keep keep up the delicious work and and uh, you know i get why you're excited today to be do, to be making two pies um <laughs> Need it. <laughs> yeah, you need it's it. Just... You need it. They're going to just love it and, and enjoy it. And it. the message, the message sells itself from there. The message is transmitted. It's done. But the question is how, how to really get this this message out even further because mm -hmm. it really does. You know, it didn't surprise me when you were doing a lot of media over the initial kind of you know fascination with it and the and the international tour and all of that. And I just see another wave of it on the on the near horizon because it's so necessary and mm -hmm. so timely. I have um, tried on several occasions to try to do something with bringing you know the polarized sides together over pi. Um, I even got the URL the peace talks P I E C E. Oh wow, yeah. yeah. Okay. And you know that's like, like that's another avenue I feel like I'd like to go but I don't feel like I have the moderation skills to actually hold the conversation. I can I can teach the class, I can bring the people together. Maybe we don't talk about politics. Maybe it's better not to. Maybe it's just you share right. stories about your favorite pie from childhood or something. Maybe it's you take people to a different place and don't even talk about, you know, there was a time where people would never, would never admit who they voted for. Not admit, but you know, it was just, it was, it was private, you know, yeah, you didn't, bring you it didn't talk about it. You didn't ask. It wasn't polite to ask who you voted for. That was just a private thing. And now, so, you know, maybe that's what the peace yeah. talks is about, that it doesn't have to be like a moderating political issues, rather just an opportunity to come together and just be together without without all the discussion. Well, there might be something to that in that it isn't that you don't know what the, where the other person's coming from because if you do bring opposing forces together, that's great. Mm -hmm. But the rule is that they can't talk about any of their their conflict issues. Mm -hmm. They can't discuss their differences. They well, can how talk about, about this? Anything else? How they about can talk this? About family. They can talk about food. How about this? When we're both in Iowa at the same time, why don't we do a peace talk? Okay. And you can help me with that. Deal. All right? Deal. Deal. All right. You see? Something very, very Perfect. productive has come from this conversation very tangible. already. Well, and but very that's tangible. just it. So you and I can do that together, but anybody listening... You know, they could do that. I'm not the only pie maker right. in the world. You know, if everybody would just like you, get their friends together over need, pie, right? That's it. That's it. That's all you it. need is a pie maker and a comedian and you're set and you have a peace talk. <laughs> that's it. And in every town, there's a pie maker and a comedian. And so that's really it. It can be any two people that, that get together to do something. It's easier than one. That's the bottom line. So I'm definitely in. I'm in, Beth Howard. All right, then. We will do this. <laughs> when are you back in Iowa? Uh, I'm You're back, back in Iowa in I'm about back 10 in, days, like, but... yeah, 10 days. So I will. Well, let's get in touch. Let's get in touch then about this. 
and we will make a peace talk happen. <laughs> and, and obviously, we can do it when we're both back in L.A. Oh, that's we'll true, too. Oh, we going. should do that. All right. I like that even better. Yeah. I just keep it going. See, that's how a movement starts. Just a little conversation that's like this starts. and then onward we go. Deal. Awesome. All well, right. Th- thank you for coming well, on. That puts thank me in a better for... mood. I have to say, even without making good. the pie, okay, I'm like, good. I feel I feel more hopeful about the world already just by talking. Well, about me that. too. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you. And I'll talk to you very soon. All right. Thanks again for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into Truth Tastes Funny. If you enjoyed the experience, please leave a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends.